Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Well, if you're a guest, we want to welcome to the series Happily Ever After. Last week, Pastor Keith launched the series by giving us God's blueprint for marriage. There's three things, commitment, being unselfish, and then it's all about a savior. And if you weren't here, let me encourage you. I encourage you to go back and listen because each of the week's messages are going to build on each other. And today I'm incredibly humbled that he's allowing me to open up God's word with you. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes, not a book that everybody reads in the Old Testament. Psalm is the biggest book. You'll find it right in the middle of the Old Testament. And then Proverbs, Ecclesiastes is the next one, Ecclesiastes 12. Let me ask you, how many think that as a part of society, but you, you personally think that marriage is a big deal, it's really important? How many think that marriage is a big deal, really important? Absolutely, I think it is. Absolutely, God does. Today I want us to focus on something that is a much bigger deal and way more important than marriage. And that is God and your personal relationship with him. Repeat this after me, would you? My relationship with God affects everything in my life. Let's say it again. My relationship with God affects everything in my life. Our relationship with God affects not only the millions of years of eternity that you and I will spend either in heaven with him or apart from him in hell, but it will impact every relationship you and I have on earth, including marriage. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we asked, why is it that some marriages succeed, some fail? Some churches succeed, some fail. Business and so forth we said it was two things, the way they think and systems. Well, today we want to look at two ways to think when you and I go into any relationship, but especially we look at marriage, two ways to think, and then out of that, two things to do. Because it's interesting, people, whenever they want to come and talk, they, they always say, what can I do? What can I do to improve my marriage? Or what can I do to save my marriage? Well, the do doesn't matter. What we do only comes out how we think. So the key is, how do you think, and then what to do comes out of that. So you ready for that? So turn to the person on both sides of you and say, get ready. It's going to change your life. All right, if you'll take your message notes, let's start with the first thought. Here's the first thought in all aspects of relationships. It's all about God. Say that with me. It's all about God. There was a little first grade girl that was drawing art during the art time in her class, and the teacher came by and said, that's a beautiful picture. What is it? She said, it's a picture of God. The teacher said, well, honey, that's sweet, but nobody really knows what God look like, looks like. And she said, they will now. The Bible says that God is the first, he's the last, he's the beginning, the end, the alpha, the omega. He was yesterday, today, tomorrow. The highest point, he's there. The lowest point, he's there. You can't escape him. It's all about God. It's the foundation of thinking on every aspect of relationship. If that's our thought, now let's ask the question, what do we do with that thought? Here's the first thing that we need to do, and this is one you're not going to hear in culture. You're not going to hear it, but it's key. Fear God. Fear God. Now, when we talk about marriage, we sometimes talk about fear of the in-laws and meeting the father-in-law, especially if he has a massive gun collection, okay? But it's interesting that Ecclesiastes is written by a guy by the name of Solomon, 
who was the wisest man in the history of the world, also the richest man even to date in the history of the world. And Ecclesiastes is a summation of everything he's learned and all of his wisdom. Here's his last words. And I want us to read these together because they are powerful for us to understand. Here we go. Read with me. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God. Fear who? Fear God. And let's go on with it. And obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Fear God. The Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. It leads to life. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this. The number one key to secret in any marriage, the number one secret to success in any marriage, fear God. <laughs> you probably didn't expect to hear that in a marriage series, but it's true. Let me tell you why. Because if you and I don't fear God, our priorities are going to be out of whack. If I don't fear God, who's my priority? Me. If I don't fear God, I am my priority. And how many of you would be willing to admit like me that you can be selfish to the core? That's who we are. It's human nature. And so without a fear of God, it will always be about me. I will be number one priority. But when there's a healthy fear of God, now I have a foundation that I can build on relationships. And I can build on that. But we have a problem, Houston. And here's the problem. Everybody thinks they're going to heaven. They do. I hear it all the time. Any funeral I go to, I always hear the same thing. They talk about the person who's passed away and they say, the deceased person, they're in a better place. I hear it all. Everybody thinks they're going to heaven. If that's the case, then how do I handle these words of Jesus? This is Jesus speaking, Matthew 7. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are what? Those who find it are few. Jesus is real clear. Not everybody goes to heaven. In fact, few go. Wow. That's a, that's a crazy thought. There are three realities that are true for all of us. All of us have three realities. Number one. We will all die. How many have already figured that one out? Okay, we all will die. Number two, though, we will all stand before God someday. And it won't be in a crowd. It'll be you and I individually with God. You will stand before God alone. I will stand before God alone. Second reality. Third reality, you and I will be judged for everything we do on earth. Everything. That should shock us. I don't know what your thoughts are when you think about meeting God. Maybe the song I can only imagine comes out and you have a picture, but here's a reality. The Bible says real clear, we will stand before God and we will be judged. In fact, here's how 2 Corinthians says it. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in this earthly body. You don't hear that in this culture. We trivialize it. We make fun of it. In fact, we have lessened sin. We kind of joke at it. Sin is more accessible and acceptable than ever before. Let me give you two examples in marriage that are destructive to marriage. Number one, pornography. It will destroy 
a marriage. When I grew up as a kid, if you wanted to look at pornography, you had to go find it, you had to go buy it, and then you had to go hide it. Hide it in the garage, hide it, you had to hide it somewhere because the shame of potentially being found out. Today, click. One click, and you're there. And we trivialize it that it's no big deal. You're not acting on it. I mean, my word, it's just no big deal. Flirting is the second one. My group as a kid, if, if you wanted to be suggestive to somebody, flirt, suggestive sexually, you risked the aspect of being really embarrassed, potentially because it was in the open. Not, not today. Not with social media, not with the internet. In fact, I just saw this stat Friday. 40 million people are now online dating. But they're saying that in 18 states, they've already said it is super dangerous because so many people are on there pretending to be somebody they're not. And that's what happens. Because on social media, you can pretend anything and you can say anything. What it leads to, and you can be suggestive, and nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's okay where he's doing it. And yet, where the path it leads destroys marriages in every aspect. And the world says, no big deal, no big deal. Culture says it. But God says, I see it all. I see everything you've seen. I've heard every word. I've seen every text. I've seen everything. And you will be judged from every aspect of it. You will stand before me and give an account for it. So the Bible says. See, over here, we act, we act as if we're never going to die. We act as if Jesus isn't coming back. Friends, the Bible is real clear. Jesus is coming back. And we will be judged. Can I tell you? I think about that thought. A lot. I do. Why? Because when I'm tempted to look at something, when I'm tempted to say something, when I'm tempted to do something, my thought is, God sees it. I will give an account for this. I will. See, part of our problem is there's two words that describe Jesus. We love one of them. We don't like the other. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Savior, Lord. Both terms that Jesus used, were used of Jesus a lot. We love Savior. Savior is great. The Bible talks a lot about Jesus being the Savior. In fact, the Bible talks about it 52 times. It's mentioned. Jesus is Savior. And we like Savior. Why? Because Savior means we get. Yay! Yay! I get forgiveness. I get mercy. I get grace. I get heaven. Yay! I get. We love Savior. Jesus is my Savior. I don't like Lord. I don't like Lord. Why? Because in Lord, you don't get, you give. When someone is lording over you, you serve them. You die to yourself. It is all about them, nothing about you. Ah, I don't like that. Yet the Bible talks about Jesus as Lord. It talks about God as Lord. In fact, we talk about 52 times, it talks about Lord. Six thousand eight hundred eighty-seven times refers to Lord. Interesting. Jesus never once in Scripture referred to Himself as Savior. Never once. Lord, He talks about Himself as Lord all the time. All the time. See, there's a verse that that I have to come to understand. It's truth, whether I want it to be or not. It's in Philippians two. It says this. Therefore, God exalted him, that's Jesus, to the highest place and gave Jesus the name above every name. Then it says this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should what? Should bow in heaven, 
on earth or under the earth. Family, this is the pose you and I will take when we're before God. Every knee will bow, voluntarily or involuntarily. Can I say something? Don't wait until that day and let it be involuntarily. It'll be too late for you. It'll be too late. Do it voluntary now. If God, it's all about God, then we need to fear God. We need to understand that. But here's the second thing. If it's about God, we now to do, need to focus on God. Say that with me. Focus on God. When you read the book of Revelation, it gives a glimpse of heaven. Here's what it says in Revelation 4, that, that there are higher angels all around God, and all the time they're praising God, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they're just saying that all the time. They did that yesterday. They were doing that last night while you and I slept. They're doing it right now. They'll do it tonight. They never stop. If that's what's being said in heaven, then here on earth, do you think that we should at least start a little bit of that now? Absolutely, that's what it is. I heard this phrase, and I think it's really true. It says this, if we don't stare at Jesus, we will spend our time staring at lesser things, namely ourselves. And I see that in marriages. I see where couples, they're so in love, and they are, that they start staring at each other. Or they start staring at themselves instead of staring at God. See, Jesus talked about marriage, and he said this in heaven. He says, marriage won't exist in heaven as you and I know it. It won't, okay? <laughs> Which I hope nobody who's married right now is, is thinking to themselves, praise God. <laughs> praise Jesus. I hope that's not yours, okay? But it also explains that thought, understanding no, heaven, no marriage in heaven, will explain why I tell my wife often that, baby, you got to understand something. You're not always going to have access to this body. You better take advantage of it now. <laughs> Just saying what's true. 60 or 2 million? 60 or 2 million? If I said, I'll give you 60 bucks now or 2 million bucks, well, duh. Of course, you take the 2 million. Why is it then that we spend so much time focusing on the potential 60 years of being married together here when 2 million or more plus years will be in eternity forever? And that's what we should figure out first. Either we'll be in the presence of God or we'll be apart from God forever. See, when you and I spend time with somebody in their presence, now the relationship really deepens. That's what David asked in the psalmist. He said this, One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze, to stare upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. See, Keith said this last week, and it, it's so right. It's just so right. He says this, if this is right, then what's this? This is right. Relationships here will be right if this is right. If there's something sideways in relationships, there's something wrong here. And it's true all the time. See, if you and I are focusing on God, if we're fearing God, we're focusing on God here, and I'm getting it there, now I can give. I can just give because I'm getting here. But when this isn't right, I have to take from you. And that's what happens. That's why in culture, culture will say, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. But, man, it's sideways because couples now who are sideways here, they're not right with God, now do a double negative by now living together. And it leads to disaster every time. And I love these conversations because people will come in, man and wife will come in together, and, and sir, uh, man and woman will come together and say, we want to be married. Would a pastor from Celebrate marry us? 
And we love these conversations. So we say, absolutely. But in the conversation, we have to ask. We have to ask. Are you living together? Are you having sex? We have to ask it. Why? Because you're asking us on behalf of God to bless your marriage, and God can't. He can't. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean we don't love, we love you. But God can't bless what his word has been very clear about. But yet it's interesting, on culture, they'll say, no big deal. No big deal at all. It's a big deal to God. Because you know what? According to God, sin is still sin, and he hates sin. Every case. That's why every marriage problem, you know what it really is? It's a God problem. Any marriage problem I've had has been a God problem in me. I can just tell you that up front. It's interesting that when we talk about, you know, the aspect of focus on God. If you're single, I want to give you a thought. Our daughter, Sarah, before she was married, she was dating a guy and dated for a couple of years, and they were very serious. They were talking about marriage. And she and I had a, a long conversation one day. She was out of state, so it was on the telephone. And I said, babe, I, I need to give a thought to you. I said, this guy absolutely loves you, loves you, no doubt. He loves you, and he likes God. His focus is on you, not God. But here's the problem, babe. You guys get married, and someday, because you're human, you won't be able to be perfect. His focus can't be on you. He doesn't have a focus on God. He'll focus on other things. I said, you'd better think about that. And I'm grateful she took it to prayer, took it to heart, and she broke off the relationship. It's hard. And in that process, a gal texted her something that I think is great advice. If you're single and ever have a thought about possibly being married someday, think about this thought. Here's what the text said. What if we were so focused on God that the only time we saw our future mate was God, was when God whispered, look, there they are. And Sarah took that to heart. And she said, okay, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to just focus on God. People say, are you engaged? Are you going out with anybody? I'm dating God. I'm married to God. That's she say. But about eight months later, she was at his place and just... Nothing, out of the blue, God said, look, there he is. She heard it. The guy heard it. We heard it in every aspect. And see, what happens in that case then is that you now can focus on God and God can do his work. So the first thought, the thinking is it's all about God, which means we fear God, we focus on God. Let's look at the second thought briefly, and here it is. You need to worship God, not marriage. Say that with me. Worship God, not marriage. Because we all worship something or someone. Every day we worship something or someone. If that's the thought that we're supposed to worship God, not marriage, what does that mean for us to do? Here's the first thing. Prioritize your relationship with God above all things. Prioritize your relationship with God above all things. Here's a picture of my family. This is our Christmas card picture this year. Okay, we had a little fun with it, and uh, every year we do one just like your family does. I love my family. It's our kids, grandkids. I love my family. Here's the issue that I find, though. I find that it's pretty easy sometimes to worship the family above worshiping God. I find people, and I wonder, hmm, man, I hear them talking about their grandkids a lot, a lot. I never hear them talk about God. Hmm. I hear them talk about their spouse a lot. I never hear them talk about God. 
People who say, man, absolutely, we worship God first, but they're gone almost every weekend on their kids' activities. No, you're worshiping your kids' activities. You're not worshiping God. Matthew 22, Jesus said this. It says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. What's a common word? And then he says this. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoa, 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 wait. I, I, I love my son. I love my daughter with all my heart. I love my grandkids with all my heart. I love my wife with all my heart. What does that mean? God says, more than me? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's three ways we can look at this. One is where we say, God, you're at the center. You're at the center of my priorities. And I have family, friends, work, possess, they're all, but God, you're at the center. God goes, uh-uh, no. That's not what it means. Okay, so God, here's, I know what it means. You're number one, family's number two, friends three, work four, and so forth. But God, you're number one. And God goes, no, that is not what I mean, Reed. This is what I mean to love me with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. It means I am here and everything else is here. The Bible says that God is holy. Holy means set apart. There means that there has to be a massive gap between my love for God and love for anybody else, including my spouse, who I love with all my heart. My spouse cannot be a close second to God. There is no close second to God. It is set apart. People who know Cindy at all say this. Reed, how, how'd you get her? I mean, she's gorgeous. How'd you get her? I stalked her. I, mean, I admit it. Junior in high school, 6'4", 140 pounds. What am I supposed to do? And here's what Cindy finally realized. She realized that I was always going to be looking at her, either from inside the house or outside the house, that it was safer if I was in the house. Okay? That, that's how it works. Stalking's legal if you marry him. Okay, just want to point that out. What, what if we stalked? God with an obsession like that. Not something else, a close second, but God, you're the only first. What does that mean? We talked about that every knee will bow. This is how everything starts. But it's interesting to me that Jesus, when he was here on earth, he did this. He said, I do nothing apart from the Father. Everything I do, I give it according to my Father. I obey my Father. He started here. And he stayed here and washed disciples' feet. It's interesting, any man who's married possibly started right here in proposing to your spouse. Here's the problem. Jesus stayed on the knee washing feet. We proposed and we got back up. See, prioritizing God above all things says, I start here, I stay here. And I wash my spouse's feet continually because he is number one. He's my everything, prioritizing him above all else. What does it mean else to worship God, not marriage? It means this, prayer and studying God's word, prayer and Bible study. Let me ask you a question, and I'll let you give me what you think the answers are. How much time does the average person who goes to church spend per day in prayer? And I don't mean the prayer by 41st and Louise when you see a license plate from Iowa and you go, God, protect me, protect me. Okay, not saying that kind of a prayer. I'm talking about a prayer that is 
it's put aside and it's centered and it's focused on him. Not 101 distractions while I'm doing 101 things, but focused on him. How many times the average person spend, average person in church spend per day in prayer? 60 minutes, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, five or less. How many think it's 60? How many think it's 60? How many think it's 30? How many think it's 15? How many think it's five or less? We'll never understand what it means for God to do what he wants to do if that's all we spend time with him on. Worshiping God, not marriage, or worshiping God, not anything else, prioritizing him, says we give him time in our prayer every day. And man, sometimes it's not even you talking. It's just spending time with God, listening, saying, God, here's my heart. What, God, what's your heart? Here's the situation. What, what do you think about this? And tell him, just talking to him, being a part of it. Here's what James says, this. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. It does. The second part of it is the Bible. You know, family, I love God's word with all my heart, but it's not principles. It's not principles. It's power. You can go to any bookstore on Amazon and get principles. This is power to change your life, power to change your marriage. Everything in here is the word of God. The word of God will change every aspect of your life. When you spend time in, I was talking to a couple last night, and they're just brand new to faith. I mean, like in the last two weeks. And they went, oh, my land, we've been, we've been reading some things out here, and things we never, we never understood. It makes sense. I said, absolutely. absolutely. And it will. Keep spending time in God's word. Here's what Hebrews 4 says. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Ouch, the intentions of the heart. God's had to do that with me. Read, what's your intention really, really on this one? God's word will do it. I was with, with a person some time back, and they asked me a question. The person was very successful. He said, Reed, who, who's your mentor? And I said, well, here's a couple people that I, you know, that I, are kind of mentors to me. He says, no, nah, he said, no, not, no, not really. He said, I, I know who your mentor is, though. I said, you do? He said, yeah, it's you. You're mentoring yourself. How's it working for you? Do you know who the worst person to mentor me is? Me. You know who the person, worst person for you to be mentored by is? You. And yet, we all say the same three words. But I think... But, but I think, well, God's word says this, but, but I think, I know, but God's word, no, but I think, man, any thought I have is not a right thought. It's what God's word says. Here's what Isaiah 55 says. This is God talking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. If that's true, which it is, then I should have all of God's thoughts be my thoughts, and I don't have a but I think. God, what do you say? And let me just simply obey that. I'm going to ask the band to come up, if they would. Last week, Pastor Keith shared some stats about divorce. I don't know if you caught them. Of the world divorces, what percent is in the U.S.? 50%. Of all the divorces in the world are in the United States. Let me ask you, does that break anybody else's heart? That breaks my heart. 50% of all the divorces are in the United States. Breaks my heart. Should I tell you what breaks my heart more than that? Is that there's no difference between those who say they're followers of Jesus and those who aren't. Same divorce situation. 
what if we were so in tune to it's all about God, worship God, not marriage, that the divorce rate among people who are believers, followers of Jesus was 0.5. I mean, hardly nothing, nothing at all. What would it say to a culture over here that says, you deserve better than that? Leave them. They'll never change. And yet, they look over here and they see marriage and go, how could you forgive them for that? How could you do that? What gives you ability to love after what they've done for you? And I'm not talking about severe abuse or severe addictions, okay? But in normal cases, that's what happens. What would happen if we lived in such a way that God's word so invaded our lives, invaded our marriages, they can't figure it out and they have to come and say, what is that? What is that? That's why I'm gonna come back to, oh, one of my greatest prayers in my heart. You would, you would trust God's word. You would let God's word do its work. It will give you life. It'll save you. How do I know that? It saved me. I can tell you, and I can drive you to the exact spot when I realized I'd lost my marriage. If you take Interstate 90, go east, one mile before the Laverne exit, in the car, I came to understand I'd lost Cindy. All the years of my selfishness, all the years of my pride, all the years about me, my words, my thoughts, all of it had emptied her. It was done. And I came to a realization, go, oh, God, I, I saw my parents get divorced. I don't want that. I don't want that, but God, what should I do? So I started asking the do question. God, what should I do? What should I do? God said, Reed, you don't get it. It's how you think. He said, Reed, let's start here. It's not about me. Reed, it's not about me. It's about you. I've been your savior. I have never been your Lord. It's been you. And you go ahead and do your own thing, and then you ask me to come alongside and bless it. But you've never given me the ability to take over. It's never been about me. It's always been about you. You talk about worshiping me. You do it quick here, quick there. You say your quick prayer and you're off. You don't give me time. You worship marriage, you worship sin, you worship a lot of things. You don't prioritize me, Reed, over everything else. You don't. I'm going, so what does that mean? God, where, where, do, I, where do I go? Can, God, what can I do to fix my marriage? God said, you can't. You can't fix yourself. Only I can do that. So God, then what, what does that mean? And he said a statement that we hear in football. In football, there's a phrase that's used that say, take a knee. In football, what that means is game's over. There might be some ticks on the clock, but game's over, take a knee. And God said, Reed, take a knee, game's over. All the games you're playing, it's over. If you're going to do it, take a knee and let me be Lord. Worship me. Spend time, prioritize. I will fix you. You can't fix you and you can't fix your marriage. I will fix you and in doing so, I can restore your marriage. He said, get on your knee, stay on your knee. 
That's what happened. Not overnight. I'd say that the next three years were the most painful, wonderful years of my life. Because even now I look this afternoon, two of our grandkids are going to come over and spend the night with us tomorrow. And I weep at times when I think how close that was to losing all of it. And God saved it. God saved me. God saved us to where now, man, marriage is beyond what I ever thought it could be. But it starts with taking a knee. What about for you? Can I tell you where it all starts? The answer to everything in your life, take a knee. Right now, you might be a person who's never made a decision for Christ, ever. This might all be new, but here's the reality. If something happened to you right now, you know you're not going to heaven. What's the answer? Take a knee. Maybe you've done that. He's been Savior, but like in my case, he's not been Lord, and you know the areas. You know it. What's the next step? Take a knee. Let him be Lord. Maybe you're single and you've been trying to fill a void that can't be filled by people, but you've been trying to fill it. And maybe the step for you now is take a knee and say, God, I trust you. I'm just going to focus on you. I will give it to you. You take care of everything else. Maybe you're here and you're married. And on the outside, you're looking good. You're looking good. You know, though, God knows it ain't good. It ain't good. And you can't fix it. What's your step? Take a knee. Take a knee. One of the greatest things that anybody could see you do, if you're a dad, let your kids see you take a knee. They know, I can follow that dad. The wife can say, I can follow that. Maybe if you're couples, you come together and you say, we're going to take a knee. And say, God, we want you to be center of every aspect of our life. So here's what I'm going to ask. First of all, I'm going to ask that no one leave. This is a holy moment. I believe people's lives will be changed forever right now. I told you I'm going to press on you because this is going to seem awkward. This is going to seem because culture over here doesn't. In a minute, I'm going to pray. And then while the band's playing, I'm going to ask you to come up front and take a knee. Now, don't stay on the knee because obviously there's a lot of people, but take a knee as your symbol saying, it's all about you. I'm going to worship you from this point on. Take a knee, say that to God, and then go back to your seat. You go, man, are you kidding me? Why do I need to come up front? Because the Bible says, if you don't confess me before man, I won't confess you before my father. Jesus says it. That's why. He says, either I'm Lord or I'm not. Pick. And this is your day to decide, am I going to take a knee? I can tell you this. When you take a knee and you decide to live there, It'll change every aspect of your life and miracles will happen you never thought could happen. Father God, we love you with all of our heart. God, it's all about you. God, forgive me for the times that I have played with it, that I've allowed you to be saved but not Lord. God, forgive me for that. Forgive me for the times I've worshipped other things equally to you, not prioritized you above all things else. For the times I've trivialized things and let things of the culture pull me in, things I've looked at, things I've said, God, you've seen it all. You know it all. There's no secrets to you. God, for the times that I haven't spent time in your word, I haven't spent time in prayer. 
God, forgive me. God, as we continue to worship and as people come and just take a knee and then go back to say, God, would you see that? Would you hear that? And would you move in their lives? We now say it's all about you. We love you and we praise you. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.